The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. And now, this episode, The Emerald of the Incas, Part 4. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Now, Superman, strange visitor from another world who has come down to Earth as the champion of the weak and the oppressed. When we last saw him, Superman, in his character of Clark Kent, was in the library of Stone House in the suburb of Brentwood, attempting to revive Dr. George Haven Beecham, world-famous scientist and explorer, who had been struck by a poison dart which came through the window. Outside in the dark, mysterious brown figures from the jungles of South America are besieging Stonehouse in an attempt to recover the sacred emerald of the Incas, which Dr. Beecham brought back from his latest expedition. Elsie, the doctor's daughter, has vanished, and so has his native servant, Zingri. As our story continues today, an hour has passed. The taxi driver whom Superman found on the grounds has fled in terror to the cellar. Dr. Beecham is rapidly recovering as Kent bends anxiously over him. Listen. What? What's that? Two o'clock, Doctor. It'll be daylight in another couple of hours. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm all right. I, I'm quite all right. But Elsie, Kent, where's my daughter? Doctor, I I don't know. She's out there somewhere, Kent. They've got her, those murderous natives. I don't think so, Doctor. I don't know where she is, but I don't think they've got her. That, uh, that taxi driver, where's he? Scared out of his wits. He's down in the cellar. Kent! The door, they're trying again. Block it up. Stay back, Doctor. I'll handle this. What are you doing, man? Don't open it. Oh, quick. Quick. Doctor, did you hear that? Elsie, your daughter. Oh, Dad. Dad. Elsie, darling. Miss Beecham. Oh, help me quickly. Who's that with you? Great Scott. Zingri. It's Zingri. Oh, Get him inside. Dad. He's hurt. He's dying. Wait a minute. Close the door. Quick. Oh, Dad. He's been struck with poison darts. Can you help him? Save him. Who was it? Two little brown men. They broke into the house and carried me away. Zingri followed and, and fought them off. Oh, but he couldn't escape their darts. Here, lend a hand, Kent. Right. Get him up on the couch. All right, Doctor. I have him. There. How is he? He's bad, I'm afraid. No more serum. Oh, please, Dad. Miss Beecham, how did you know who he was? Mr. Kent, he told me. When he fought off the brown men, he asked me who I was. And when I told him, he said, You come quick. I, Zingri. Oh, Dad... Can't you help him? I'm afraid I can't, Elsie. It's too late. Doctor, you mean... Yes, the poison on the darts acts fast. Oh, don't let him die. He saved my life. He did his duty, Elsie. He's a faithful servant. Doctor, look. Yes, I know, Kent. 
I'm afraid that's the end. <laughs> Doctor, you're sure? There's nothing you can do? No, it's, it's all over, Kent. We'd better carry him into the other room. All right. That's it. Easy. Cut. There we are. Now, close the door, Kent. All right, Doctor. Oh, it's so dreadful. Dead, what's it all about? What does it mean? I really think we ought to know that, Doctor. You started to tell me once before, just, just before the poison dart struck Dad, you. Dad, did they hit no, you? No, no, it's, it's all right, Elsie. Nothing happened. It was just a graze, and Kent helped out quite nicely. Oh, are you sure? Oh, perfectly. Look at me. You're awfully pale. Oh, naturally. He's been through a good deal, Miss Beecham. Yes, it's all of you. I really think you'd both better sit down. Yes, yes, here on the Davenport, Elsie. Are you sure that poor Zingri really fought off the Azatlans? Fought off what, Doctor? Azatlan Indians, Kent, from the headwaters of the Orinoco. That's who those fellows outside are. But, Dad, please, what's it all about? Why were you hiding in this house? Oh, we've been so worried. Oh, it's a long story. I'll, I'll make it as short as I can. Now, listen, both of you. You know what an emerald looks like. Why, of course. What's the biggest emerald you ever saw or heard of? Oh, goodness. I don't know. Well, there's the Star of the Andes and the Southern Flame. They're pretty big. That's right, but never mind carrots. Let's talk about inches. The star's about an inch across uh -huh. and the flame maybe an inch and a half. Yes. What would you say to an emerald carved in the form of a statue, the statue of a god? Well, it would have to be pretty small. Three inches wide and every bit of eight inches high. What? A genuine emerald that big? Dr. Beecham, it hardly seems possible. I don't wonder you're surprised, Kent. Well, that's what I brought back with me from the jungles of South America. And that's why I've been hiding out back of an electrified fence guarded by the most vicious pair of dogs I could buy. But why? Dad, who's trying to get the emerald back? The Azatlan Indians, Elsie. For thousands of years, literally, it's been the most sacred idol of the tribe. Well, Dr. Beecham... How in the world did you get it? I stole it. Did you say you stole it? I had to. It was the only way. I had to have that emerald. You can imagine what it might be worth as a gem. Oh, millions at least. Yes, probably, but entirely beyond its money value, which I don't care a thing about because I mean to give it back eventually, it has another value, completely beyond price. Hmm, but I don't understand. Well, Elsie, thousands of years ago... The ancestors of the Azatlans were one of the great nations of the earth. They were called the Immortal People because they held the Emerald God. We don't know much about them, but we know that much. Go on, Doctor. Dad, what did the Emerald have to do with it? That's what we've never been able to find out. That is the great secret. You remember Ponte de Leon? The Spanish explorer? Wait. He tried to find the Fountain of Youth. Yes, just so. He was following rumors. He'd, he'd heard of the secret and he'd tried to find it. But he failed. And where he failed, I hope I may have succeeded. My good heavens! Dr. Beecham, you... You can't mean it! Kent, in some way, I, I don't pretend to know how a great secret is wrapped up in that emerald carving. The secret of the full life. The life without any of the faults that trouble us today, without, without greed, without envy, without hatred. Possibly the secret of life itself is hidden in that stone. But doctor, what, what can you do with it? Every inch of that little statue is covered with engravings, ancient writings. And you're trying to decipher those writings? Yes, I'm trying, Elsie. So far I have not succeeded, but I intend to keep on working. 
Yes, but, Doctor, it's too dangerous. You can't possibly keep on working. Oh, Kent, you don't understand. If I can unlock that secret, the secret of the immortals, imagine what it will mean, not for me, but for the whole human race. Dad, what is it? What is the secret? Elsie, I, I haven't any idea. It may be a formula, a secret of chemistry or physics, something that was discovered once and then lost. And you're sure it's contained in the carvings on the statue? Well, what else? If not, why did the old tribes guard it so carefully? They knew too much for plain idol worship. Did you say the emerald was in a safe upstairs? Yes. Would you like to see it? The doctor, if I were you, I'd leave it there. We still don't know what's going on outside. He may be right, Dad. You haven't decided yet how you're going to go on tomorrow and the next day. What you're going to do from now on. He is right. Things can't go on like this. What about calling in the police, Doctor? Or taking the emerald to a museum and working on it there? Dad, what's the matter? What is it, Doctor? Quiet. Upstairs. I thought I heard something. Ah! Great what? heavens, that, that was an explosion. Upstairs! Doctor, it was in that room, quick! Oh, Dad, be careful! The safe! They've blown in the side of the house! Oh, look! Look, the whole second floor is coming down! Doctor, look out! Come back! Doctor! <laughs> It's blocked off. We can't get up that way now. Quick, the back stairs. We may head them off. Go ahead, Doctor. You and your daughter try the other way. I'll stay here. You two may not be able to get through here, and Clark Kent might not be able to either. But Superman can, and it's time he tried. All upper floors come right down the staircase, ceiling and all. But it won't take long to clear out a little thing like that. Kent! Kent, where are you? Oh, Dad! Dad, don't! Locked in! Kent, where are you? Now what? Something's happened. A wall must have fallen in behind them. It's all right. I'm coming. I can't see. It's so dark. Kent, the safe. Where's the safe? What did they do? Almost through. Get this beam out of the way. Uh, now then, if I can get through to that room, and I think I can. Oh, Mr. Kent, is that you? I can't see a thing. Light a match quickly. Half a second, Doctor. Oh, there's a match. I have one. There. Great heavens, look. The safe. It's blown wide open. Oh, Dad, you can't get to it. The floor's all blown away. Just resting across a beam. Kent, they've got it. They blew the safe and took the emerald. The emerald of the Incas is gone. Oh, Mr. Kent, don't try to get to that window. You'll fall. No. Listen, both of you. Don't you hear something? Listen. Yes, it's an airplane. They're getting away in an airplane. <sighs> well, that couldn't be. There isn't room enough. Well, they couldn't get off the ground. I know an airplane engine when I hear one. And look, there it goes. No, it's an airplane, but not the kind you think. Miss Beecham, doctor, look, they're getting away in an auto gyro. Look, up there. Rising over the trees from the grounds of stone houses, a weird, ungainly object. Huge propeller whirling, ascending almost vertically in the night air. Have the brown men from the dark jungle made off with the emerald of the Incas? Is the secret of the immortal people lost beyond recall? Or will Superman recover it? Be with us again next time and follow the story. And remember, be sure to tune in the next thrilling installment of the amazing transcription feature, Superman! Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold the 
Colossus. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot, on surprises, and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, cowabunga, to the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. And now, this episode, The Emerald of the Incas, Part 5. When we last saw him, Superman, in his character of Clark Kent, was at the suburban hideaway of Dr. George Haven Beecham, world-famous explorer, with Dr. Beecham and his daughter Elsie. A crashing explosion had brought them racing upstairs to find a section of the house blown in. And missing from the safe was the mysterious sacred carving, the Emerald of the Incas, which the explorer had brought back from his latest expedition to South America. And rising in the moonlight above the trees beyond the house was the fantastic form of an autogyro. As our story continues today, several minutes have passed. Kent is about to leap from the window and follow the vanishing plane when a sudden cry from Elsie makes him turn. What's the matter, Elsie? What is it? Oh, it's just my, my ankle. I, I think I turned it. Oh, here. Take my arm, Miss Beecham. Or let, let me carry you back downstairs. I'm all right. Really, I am. Elsie, are you sure? I am, truly. My ankle's not even sprained. Well, doctor, look. If Miss Beecham's really all right, I think it might be better if I tried to get one of the cars outside and follow that autogyro. Dad, he's right. Yes, I don't know. I, I can't think. But doctor, they've got the emerald. If there's a chance of getting it back... How can you do it, Mr. Kent? You don't know which way they've gone. What do you think, Doctor? Which way would they go? It's hard to tell. They might be heading for water. We're almost on the sound. They may have a boat lying offshore. Good. I'll bet that's it. I'll take a car and follow them. Well, man, you can't possibly. They'll leave you behind in no time. No, they won't. And our gyro isn't fast. I may be able to catch them right away. I'm going after that plane. Why, Mr. Kent? Kent, what are you doing? You can't climb out that window. Oh, yes, I can. Why, Mr. Kent, you'll break your neck. No, I won't. So long. If I catch them, I'll find a telephone somewhere and let you know. <sighs> now then. One little jump and I'm down. They'll think I've climbed on the trellis. Now, off into the trees, where the cars are, so they can't see me go up in case they're looking. Ah, this ought to do it. <laughs> no sense using a car to catch a plane. If that auto gyro's heading out to sea, I'll soon find it. Up, up, and away! Red cape streaming in the wind, blue costume flashing in the moonlight. Superman leaps into the air, hovers a moment, and takes off in a series of widening circles to find the autogyro, in which the priests of the tribe of Azatlan are making off with the emerald of the Incas. Suddenly he sees the flat of a silver wing over the waters of the sound, levels out on a straight line, while in the autogyro itself, the brown men talk together. Where is the emerald? Safely hidden. Did you arrange matters back at the house? I did. By this time, 
The palace of the white doctor should blaze like a hundred fires. Good. What do you look at? We are over water. How far do we go this way? Some miles. Look. Back there behind us. In the moonlight. I see nothing. Wait. It went into the shadow of a cloud. Now. What is it? A man. The figure of a man flying in the air. No. No, it, it cannot be. Even the magic of the Azatlas... I tell you, it is. Look, it comes closer. He is over our heads. I saw him. Look. Look, he's coming through. Through the door. Sorry, gentlemen. Forgive my breaking in like this. Where's the emerald of the Incas? No speak. No speak, Yankee. Well, you'll speak at this time. Where's that emerald? Quick. White man, what you seek was stolen. It is ours. Now, look here. I'm not going to argue about that now. I want that stone. Where is it? We have taken it back. You will never find oh, it. Think not? Well, I may not find it, but you will. And you'll find it right now and hand it over. No. No. I say yes. Where is it? Find it. Use your magic against the magic of Azatla. I will. You've seen a little of magic already. Just a very little. I call it the magic of Krypton. Now you're going to see a lot more. Come here. Oh. Now you let me go. I said come here, both of you. Yes, you too. I kill you, white man. Ah, you've already tried. Now listen. I'll give you one more chance. Then I'll knock your heads together. No. No. Where is that emerald? Look. Look behind you, white man. <laughs> Old stuff. And even if I did, what could you do? No, no. He means fire. Fire back on shore. What of it? Magic of the Azatlan, white man. That fire is in the house where the emerald was. What? Stone house? The house of the white doctor who stole the sacred goddess in flames. Look. You mean that fire is back at Dr. Beecham's? Look how it leaps up. Fingers of flame. Look, it shows for miles. The house of evil is gone. We'll see about that. If it is, you've signed your own death warrant. Where are we? Ah, over water. Good. Let go! Let go! You win for the moment, but not for long. This auto-gyro will float down there on the water. And that's what it's going to do. Not what you do! Just what I said. I'm going to wreck this plane. Send it down to float on the sound. So you'll be sure and be there when I get back. Now I'm going to smash that front propeller. There. Now, down with it. Don't want it to land too hard. Down. Down. Ah, oh, there's a boat down there. Well, I can't help that. They can't do much. Now. Now. Down. And into the water. There. That'll keep them quiet for a while. Now back to that pirate stone house. Up. Up. Oh, I've got no hurry. They've caught Elsie and the doctor. I'll take care of them when I get back. Higher and faster. Faster. Back at Stonehouse, red flames lick hungrily at beams and walls, roar up into the night sky. Elsie and Dr. Beecham, having escaped in the nick of time from the blazing furnace, stand on the lawn, stunned and unbelieving. Then suddenly, Elsie remembers. Oh, Dad! Dad! Elsie, what is it? You're not hurt. Dad, I just remembered. Down in the cellar, that taxi driver... Oh, good heavens. Oh, Dad, he never knew. He must have been trapped by the explosion. Then when the fire came... Oh, Dad, he's down there now. He can't get out. Oh, the poor man. 
what can we do, Dad? Elsie, come back. We can't do a thing. Not till someone sees the blaze and calls the fire department. Dad, we must. We've got to get him out. Elsie, come back here. Come back. Come back, Miss Beecham. Where are you going? Why, Kent, where did you come from? Oh, Mr. Kent, quick, quickly. Why, Miss Beecham, what's wrong? That, that taxi driver, Eddie Hilly, yes? he's still in the cellar. What? Oh, great Scott, I, I forgot all about him. Mr. Kent, do something. Get him out. Now, look, stay here, both of you. I may be able to get in from the other side. Oh, Kent, be careful. Let me help. No, no, no. I, you stay where you are, Doctor. Look after Elsie. Now then, seems to me there's a lot of work for Superman tonight. Oh, poor Hilly. That fire's got down to where he was. Well, here goes. He has him. He's got him. Kent! Kent, this way. Back out of the smoke. Oh, Mr. Kent. Oh, poor man. Miss Beecham, look after him, will you? I'm about all in. Just put him down on the grass, Mr. Kent. All right. I'll look after him. He's coming around right now, I think. Why, Kent, man alive, how did you do it? Oh, doctor, I don't know. It was it was just luck, I guess. There was an air shaft, and, well, the, the wall fell down, and there he was at the bottom. So all I had to do was pick him up and get him out. Well, I, I've got to be on my way again now. What? Well, where are you going? Well, don't you remember? That was after that auto gyro. I saw the flames and I came back. Well, Kent, you'll never catch it now. Well, it won't hurt to try. You never can tell, Doctor. Anyway, I'm off. Kent, wait. Come back a minute. Kent. Oh, Dad. Dad, why? Dad, what are you doing on your hands and knees? Elsie, do you see this? I found it in the grass. Look. Well, what is it? Ugly thing. Well, looks like a cheap earring. Elsie, that's a badge of office. It's an amulet. And it's worn only by the highest priests of the Azatlan. But, Dad, what of it? You don't understand. It's given them when they become priests. Magic power and all that. And it becomes a part of their very lives. But I... Why all the fuss? Well, don't you see, Halsey? One of those priests dropped it by accident. The loss of this amulet is worse than death. A terrible crime. What? Oh, you mean that... I mean, I believe that with this amulet... I could induce them to let me borrow the emerald of the Incas. But I don't know where they are. No, but I do, Dad. At least I, I know where they were going. Elsie. The taxi driver, he's come to and he told me they have a plane waiting. A great big seaplane at the central airport. Where's the car? Quick, Dad. Quick. A mad race against time. Can Dr. Beecham and Elsie make the airport before the priests of Azatlan take off in their high-speed seaplane? And what of Superman out over the waters of the sound? What will he find when he reaches the spot where the autogyro hit the sea? Thrills, high excitement, unbelievable climax. Tune in next time and follow the story of Superman. And remember, be sure to tune in the next thrilling installment of the amazing transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. And now, this episode... 
The Emerald of the Incas, Part 6. Superman had left the blazing inferno of Stonehouse and gone winging his way back over the sound toward the wrecked autogyro of the Indian priests who had recovered the Emerald of the Incas from Dr. George Haven Beecham, world-famous scientist and explorer, and set fire to his temporary home. Remaining on the grounds of Stonehouse to watch the blaze and summon help, Dr. Beecham and his daughter Elsie had both made startling and important discoveries. As our story continues today, we find them in a small car, racing toward a distant airport, hoping against hope to get there in time. Listen. Watch out. Here's a curve. Elsie, you almost hit that car. Oh, Dad, it's all right. Look here. That thing you picked up on the lawn, you hardly told me about it at all. Providential. Simply providential. If we can only find those native priests. Well, what'll you do? I'll show them what I found, the sacred amulet of the head priest, almost as sacred as the emerald itself, Elsie. Not quite, but almost. And you really think you can bargain with it? Only if I can get there. Only if we can make the airport before they can take off in their plane. Dad, what will you do? I'll return the amulet and borrow the emerald. That's all I want of it. I don't mean to keep it. I never intended that. Dad, this emerald, is it really as important as all that? Yes, Elsie, I've told you once and I'll tell you again. If I can recover the emerald of the Incas and decipher the writing carved on its base... I may have found the secret of life itself. Possibly the secret of life everlasting. Oh, hurry, dear, faster if you can. I'm doing my best, Dad. We must get there in time to head them off. I tell you, we must. I wonder if that reporter, Kent, has found the autogyro. Meanwhile, high over the water of the sound, Superman wings and wheels. His marvelous telescopic eyesight piercing the blackness below for some sign of the wrecked autogyro. I could have sworn this was the place. Just off that point with the white building. What? Wait. What's that? Far down below the surface. Looks like wreckage underwater. The plane was sunk deliberately. Well, the next thing to do is pay a call at the nearest station of the Coast Guard. Up! Up! That White House looks like the place. There's the signal light. Down we go, right in the front yard. <sighs> Seems a shame to wake them out of a sound sleep. The chances are they keep somebody on duty all night anyway. And for the moment, I'll have to become Clark Kent. Superman might amaze even the Coast Guard. All right, all right. That's a big rush. Oh, I'm sorry to disturb you, but... What, did... Well, what is it? I'm looking for some friends of mine who set out this afternoon in an autogyro. Oh, an autogyro, hey? Yes. You know them fellas? Well, uh, we're acquainted. We've met. Well, they ain't here, but they've been picked up all right. Oh? Seems they had trouble and came down on the water a mile out. Indians, wasn't they? Oh, well, yes, more or less. Well, if they ain't, they sure got a swell tan. Anyhow, we brought them in and they beat it. Well, can you tell me where they've gone? Central Airport, they said. We couldn't understand half their lingo. They don't speak English so hot. Central Airport? You mean they've chartered another plane? I mean they're leaving for parts unknown. They told me the time. It's just about five minutes from now. Five minutes? So unless you're figuring on getting to that airport by radio or flying there yourself, you're out of luck. It's 30 miles. Oh, thanks. Sorry to have bothered you. Okay. It's too bad you missed your friends, but maybe they won't take off. The barometer's fallen. Looks like dirty weather coming up. Good night. Good night. So you think I've missed them, Sapper, eh? Well, live and learn. Five minutes before they take off, huh? And the airport is 30 miles away. Well, you never know what you could do until you try. Here goes. Up. Up. 
Oh, and there's the gate. Elsie, what are you doing? You'll put us in the ditch. Sorry, can't help it, Dad. I had to make that turn. Would have gone right by if I hadn't. Look, what's that? Out there, out there on the runway. That is the runway. It's a seaplane acreage. Oh, oh, there was a flash of light. It's a plane. It's going up. I saw it in the flash. Elsie, stop, stop. Help, help, stop that plane. Stop it. Dad, come back. It's too late. They're moving. Oh, there's the rain. Dad, the storm. That must be the plane. Nobody else would be taking off in weather like this. Why doesn't somebody come? Stop them. Catch them. Somebody stop them. High over the airport, a great white seaplane rocks and slips in the sudden grip of a storm. Lightning steps wickedly through low clouds. Shows figures running wildly for shelter on the field below. Shows another figure, faster than the storm itself, racing down the wind. Superman! Come just in time to meet a seaplane heading south with the Indian priests of Azatlan. Ah, there she is. Must be. Private seaplane swinging toward the open water. And what fools to take off at a time like this. Scott, the lightning shows it up like daytime. Not that I need it. Sorry, gentlemen, you've got a fast ship there, but it's not quite as fast as Superman. I think we'll just put a sudden stop to that trip south. If I brought down an autogyro, shouldn't one if I could do the same with a seaplane. Here I come. Now then, if I dive into the cabin... Heavens, lightning. Both of lightning struck the plane and smashed to pieces on fire. The men are falling into the water. If I don't catch them, they'll be drowned. Gotta get there fast. Down. Down into the sea. Faster. Faster. What happened, Elsie? I, I couldn't see. Oh, Dad, I don't know. The lightning. Uh, could you make it out, Elsie? No, Dad, I'm not sure. It seems as if a, a bolt of lightning went right through the plane. And I didn't see anything at all. Yes. Here's, here's stay under the shelter. Dad, good heavens, here comes Mr. Kent. Kent? Well, Kent, what, what did you... Evening, Doctor. Or rather, good morning. You got room in here for three more? Why, those men with you, the brown men, Kent, the priests. Oh, yes. Strangest thing. I was on my way here following the autogyro when there was a flash of lightning and a seaplane went down in the sea just off the breakwater. And you rescued them? All but one, Doctor. The pilot was done for. The lightning bolt went right through him. But these two, well, call it luck. I can't, it's amazing. Simply unbelievable. Well, here we are. There's one thing I must tell you, Doctor. I had a choice. A choice? Yes, come over here a minute, will you? Yeah, that's better. Yes, a choice. I could have saved the baggage with whatever might have been in it. You understand, Doctor? Yes, I understand. The emerald. Yes, or the two priests. But I couldn't save both. It had to be one or the other. Mr. Kent, we understand. Human life, Miss Beecham. They've done a lot to you. Poison arrows, fire. But after all, well, there was something on their side, too. And I couldn't just sit there and let them drown. No, Kent, of course not. You did exactly right. Oh, I hoped you'd think that. It's too bad about the emerald, of course. No telling where it is now. The emerald of the Incas is gone. Forever. Mr. Kent, one of the priests. He's coming this way. White man, you save our lives. We of Azatlan, we thank you. Oh, don't mention it. You have great magic, white man. Magic greater than ours. I have seen you fly through air. Oh, that, that's enough of that. Never mind the rest. There's just one thing we wanted. Uh, we know what you want. 
the sacred emerald, but it is at the bottom of the great water. And then it's all over. And if that's the case, there's no use my keeping this any longer. What's that, Doctor? Well, white man, where do you find that? On the lawn outside my house. It's an amulet, a priest's amulet of the Azatlan Indians. Could it by any chance be yours? White man, white man, give it to me. Of course, take it. Oh, oh my goodness. Seems to mean everything to him. White man, you think you have lost, but you have not. What? Well, what does he mean? My magic tell me you do not want Emerald to steal. No, no, of course not. On the Emerald was writing. It was writing you wish to read? Yes, that's it. That's all I wanted it for. Believe me. Very well. Writing is here. Dad, what does he mean? Oh, he's tapping his head. You mean to say you'll tell me everything that was on the Emerald? You, you can remember it? We will do that. Every last sign on the jewel of the immortals. But... No one know what it means. Yeah, that's all right. My studies, that's what I want to do. Work it out. It may take me years. But, uh, Kent, do you hear what he says? Dad, I can't believe it. Maybe the secret isn't lost after all. Once my people know what writing on emerald means, now they do not know. If you help them remember, maybe you do great good to all. Kent, I, I still don't believe it. It's not possible. Why, Kent, where are you going? Mr. Kent! Well, look, the, the emerald's gone, but everything else is all right. And I've just remembered something. After all, I am a newspaper man. And this may be the biggest story since the flood. So long, folks. I'm on my way. And so, even though the sacred emerald of the Incas is lost to humanity forever... The secret engraved on it may yet be revealed. Undoubtedly, we will learn what progress Dr. Beecham makes at some later date. In the meantime, Clark Kent is returning to his newspaper, The Daily Planet, where unknown to him, another exciting adventure awaits. Don't fail to tune in next time and follow the thrilling story of Superman. And remember, be sure to tune in the next thrilling installment of the amazing transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! No, it's Superman! And now, this episode... Danelli's Protection Racket, Part 1. As our story opens today, Clark Kent is about to leave the Daily Planet building when he is hailed by young Jimmy Olsen, a red-headed, freckle-faced copy boy who works in the editorial department of the paper. Listen. Nice seeing him in a car. What's up, Jimmy? Moral on fire? No, it's, it's nothing to do with the paper, Mr. Kent. It's, well, it's sort of personal. If you're in a hurry and you haven't got time... No, no, all the time in the world, Jimmy. I'm in Mr. White's office. He's gone for the day. Hey, now we can talk without having to shout over the racket of those typewriters and news tickers. What's on your mind, Jimmy? You look worried. I am worried, Mr. Kent. It's about my mother. She's sick, Jimmy? No, she's all right. At least she's all right now. Well, what do you mean? I guess I'd better start from the beginning so you'll know what it's all about. Uh -huh, all right. You see, my father owned a candy store on Spruce Street. Uh -huh. When he died three years ago, my mother went to work in the store and kept it running pretty good. Oh, all by herself, eh? Yes, but she doesn't complain. 
Not Mom. She wouldn't have even told me about Chip Dinelli if I hadn't caught her crying. Chip Dinelli? The racketeer? What's he got to do with your mother in the candy store? I'll tell you, Mr. Kent. About a month ago, a man came into the store and told my mother that unless she paid $20 a week protection money to Chip Dinelli, the store might be wrecked. What? And has she paid him? Yes, sir. A hundred dollars so far. And he's coming tonight for another twenty. Jimmy, are you sure Dinelli is behind this? Absolutely. Ours isn't the only store he's taking money from. All the stores on Spruce Street pay. Uh -huh. The guy who comes around is just Dinelli's collector. You say he'll be there tonight? Yes. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Mom can't pay anymore. And why should she? This is a free country, Mr. Kent. And no crook's got a right no, to... No, no, no. Take it easy, Jimmy. We'll fix Mr. Dinelli. I'll go down to the store with you and meet his collector. Gee, Mr. Kent, would you? Sure, but remember, Jimmy, not a word about this to anyone. Rats like Dinelli must be handled privately. I'll get your hat and coat. No time to waste. Gee, thanks, Mr. Kent. I'll see you at the elevator. Ten minutes later, Jimmy and Kent approach the candy store on Spruce Street. This is the store, Mr. Kent. Mom's behind the counter. Now, wait a minute, Jimmy. You say all the stores on this street pay protection money to Dinelli? That's right. Schultz the butcher didn't pay last week. Oh? So he got a brick thrown through his window. See it right across the street. Yes, there's not much window left. And what did the police do about it? They couldn't do anything. They said no evidence. My mother can tell you more about that. Come on, let's go in. All right. Oh, what makes you so late, Jimmy? Oh, I hung around the office for a while. Mom, this is Mr. Kent. He's the best reporter on the Daily Planet. Oh, I'm afraid Jimmy's given to exaggeration, Mrs. Olson. Well, he's told me a lot about you, Mr. Kent. He thinks you're wonderful. Oh, yeah. Nice to know that somebody does. Mom, I told Mr. Kent about Chip Dinelli and the racket he's pulling. Jimmy, you shouldn't have. You promised you wouldn't mention it to a soul. No, it's quite all right, Mrs. Olson. I want to help you. Oh, you can't help me. Nobody can. There's only one thing left for me to do. Give up the store. Oh, I won't let you do that, Mom. I'll go to Jip Dinelli myself. I'll tell you. Just what... a minute, Jimmy. You won't have to give up the store, Mrs. Olson. I've been up against men like Dinelli before, and I think I know how to handle them. I understand his collector is coming tonight. Well, what time does he usually arrive? Well, he should be here any minute now. Oh? But, Mr. Kent, now please don't start any trouble. They said that... I know what they said, Mrs. Olson. But don't you worry. Jimmy and I will hide behind the counter. When the collector comes in, refuse to pay him. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. They'll do something to Jimmy if I don't pay. Now, they won't do a thing, I promise you. Just you refuse to give him the $20. I'll take care of the rest. All right, Jimmy, duck down. What are you going to do, Mr. Kent? Tell Mr. Dinelli's collector where he gets off. But, but supposing he pulls a gun. Well, guns don't frighten me. Uh, I mean, well, he, he won't pull a gun, Jimmy. Here he comes now, Mr. Kent. Steady, Mrs. Olson. Don't be afraid. Okay, lady. I'll take the protection payment. Twenty bucks. Well, I... I'm not going to give it to you anymore. Oh, no? Take a look across the street, lady. See what happened to Schultz's window because he didn't have protection? You want that to happen to your window? Well, I... I can't pay you anymore. I, I haven't the money. Ah, don't give me that stuff. Pony up and make it fast. This is my last step, and I ain't got no time to waste. Well, you'd better find some time, because I want to talk to you. <laughs> Where'd you come from? Behind the counter. I heard everything you said, and so did Mrs. Olson's son. Now, unless you and your crooked boss, Dinelli, want to spend some time behind bars for extortion and blackmail, 
You'll return every penny you took from this woman and never bother her again. Oh, yeah? Who are you? My name is Kent. Clark Kent. I'm a reporter for the Daily Planet. A star reporter, too. Shut up, you. So you're a reporter. You write pieces for the paper, huh? Well, write this one. Oh! Hey. Walk over to 20, lady. Yes. Here it is. So long, wise guy. Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. Are you all right? I'm all right, Jimmy. Just a little surprised. Gee, I thought he knocked you out. No, not quite. Oh, you see, Mr. Kent. I told you not to try to do anything. It's impossible. They're just not human. I haven't given up, Mrs. Olsen. One punch doesn't frighten me off. I'll get every cent of your money back and teach Danelli a lesson he won't forget. All you're doing is risking your life. Don't you worry about that. I'll see you tomorrow, Jimmy. Good night, Mrs. Olsen. Good night. Oh, too bad I had to take that punch in the jaw. I was itching to tear that rat apart right in the store, but it wasn't the time or the place for Superman to do his stuff. I'll just take a run over to Danelli's place and have a little talk with him. Six hundred smackers, like taking candy from babies. <laughs> Even Schultz the butcher paid up without a squawk. No trouble at all. Oh yeah, little, but I clipped the guy and that finished it. What guy? Uh, some mugger was hiding behind a counter in Oates's candy store. Said he was a newspaper reporter, but then they made Kent a reporter. Yeah. What paper, Spike? I forget. Wait a minute. Oh yeah, the Daily Planet. He shouldn't have clipped him. Think I want the newspapers on my neck? Well, what do you want me to do? Stand there and take the scuff? He was shooting his mouth off about blackmail next door. All right, all right, forget it. Tell Tony to get me a pack of cigarettes. Okay. Main, 4826. Hello? Louis? Yeah, what's up, boss? Tomorrow, a newspaper called The Daily Planet may publish a story about how the stores on Spruce Street are paying me protection money. Yeah? I want all those papers bought up the minute they hit the stands. Every one of them. You got it? Okay, boss. Chip. Chip. Chip, he's here. Who's here? That reporter, Kent. Tony let him in. He's waiting in the soundproof room. Let me finish him, Chip. Let me get him out of the way. Uh, don't be a fool. Want to get us in a jam? Don't talk to him. Well, you better be careful. Don't worry. I'm always careful. You stay here. Hey, what is this, a gag? Nobody here? Oh, yes, there is, Danelli. I just thought I'd wait for you in the closet. Hey, somebody trying to kid me? Spike said a reporter was waiting. Not a guy in a circus outfit. Clark Kent couldn't wait, so he asked me to keep the appointment. You'll get used to these blue tights and red cape if you keep on robbing poor shopkeepers, Danelli. Why, you... Get out. Get out before I'll I... get out the moment you hand over the $120 you took from Mrs. Olsen. And as soon as I teach you how to behave like a decent human being. Get out or I'll plug you. That gun won't do you a bit of good, Danelli. Fortunately, I see this room is soundproofed. Get back or I'll shoot. Go ahead. Nothing happened. Right you are. And now it's my turn. There goes your gun. Hey, what do you think and you're here? You here you go. Help, let me go. Not until you learn an important lesson. Let's see how you bounce off the wall. 
You try your extortion racket, you won't walk for a month. Understand? Yeah, yeah I understand. Well, then I'll leave through the window. Oh. Remember, Denali. Remember. Spike. Spike. Oh. Spike. I'm coming. Hey, what happened? You're all messed oh, up. Never mind what happened. Listen to me. You. You told that old woman. If she squealed, we'd take care of her, didn't you? Yeah, sure. What what time did she close her store up? Ten o'clock. And who's with her? Just her and her kid. Okay. You and Tony take the big car and get on there. When she comes out of the store, teach her a lesson. But how, Chip? It's about time you knew how. Show her and her kid it don't pay to squeal. On, get caught. Has Superman started something that even he will be unable to stop? Something that may result in injury to Mrs. Olsen or Jimmy? Even now, Jip Dinelli's two henchmen are speeding to Spruce Street in a high-powered car, where they plan to wait in the darkness, ready to strike. And where is Superman? Don't miss the next thrill-packed episode. Tune in and follow the exciting story of Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. And now, this episode, Danelli's Protection Racket, Part 2. And now, Superman, mighty visitor from the destroyed planet Krypton, whose strength knows no limits, more powerful than a locomotive. Faster than a speeding bullet, Superman, who has pledged himself to devote his life to helping the weak and needy, to fight for truth and justice. Superman, 
who in his everyday guise is Mild Clark Kent, reporter for the Daily Planet newspaper. When we last saw Superman, he was waging a one-man war against Jip Dinelli, a petty racketeer who has been collecting weekly protection payments from the small shopkeepers. Among them was Mrs. Olson, the mother of Jimmy Olson, a Daily Planet copyboy. Tracking Dinelli to his hideout, Superman gave him a thrashing and got from him the $120 Mrs. Olson had paid his collector, warning the racketeer that if he tried his racket again, worse would happen. But the moment Superman left, Dinelli sought revenge and sent two of his henchmen to Mrs. Olson's candy store. Meanwhile, unaware of Superman's visit to Dinelli's hangout, Jimmy and his mother are still in the store. Mrs. Olson is crying softly. Listen. Oh, Mom, please don't cry. The only reason I told Mr. Kent about it was so that you wouldn't have to pay that crook Dinelli $20 a week. Please, Mom. Oh, no, Jimmy. You shouldn't have told anyone. I begged you not to. But, gee, Mom, how did I know Clark Kent was going to just stand there and let that collector knock him down? I thought he could fight. No, fighting will only make matters worse. No, there's only one thing left for me to do. Close up the store and... Mom, look. He's coming across the street. Who, Jimmy? Mr. Kent, look. Well, you probably didn't expect me back, did you? Mr. Kent, I don't want to appear ungrateful. I know you mean well. But I don't want any trouble with those gangsters. Oh, please don't stir up trouble. I'm not stirring up anything, Mrs. Olson. I just have some good news. Here's the $120 Danelli's collector took from you. And I don't think he'll bother you again. Mr. Kent, jump in, Jiminy. Now, the next thing to do is to expose Danelli on the front page of the Daily Planet. And, if possible, run him out of the city. Mr. Kent, where did you get this money? Uh, never mind where I got it. It's yours. Every penny of it. Did you get it from Danelli? <laughs> Jimmy, a good newspaper man never reveals secrets. You did get it from Danelli. Mr. Kent, you're a Superman. <laughs> Hardly, Jimmy. Not Superman. Why, Mr. Kent, I... Well, I can't believe it. It seems like a dream getting the money back. And you say they won't bother me anymore? Well, that means I can keep the store. That's just what it means. Well, I guess I'll run along now. Get down bright and early in the morning, Jimmy. You can help me write the story. We'll splash it across the front page. I sure will, Mr. Kent. All right. Good night, Mr. Kent. And, oh, thank you so much. Oh, good night, Mrs. Olson. Bye, Jimmy. But even as Clark Kent departs, a black sedan pulls up at the curb opposite Mrs. Olson's little candy store. Okay, Tony, cut the motor. Right. Is that the place, Spike? Yeah, we're lucky. They're still there. The kid and his old lady. What time is it? Uh, 9.30. Now, they'll be closing up soon, now. Now, listen. What we do is this. When they come out, we follow them, you see? There's too many lights on this street. Well, we'll follow them, too. They'll turn in on a side street where it's darker. What are you going to do? Get out of the car and follow them. Chip said to teach him, but don't pay the squeal. I don't like fooling with kids and dames. Well, me neither, but they got it coming to him. Tip it off a reporter. Hey, look. Huh? They're putting out the lights. See, they're closing up. Keep low. Yeah, they're coming out of the store. You sure that's them? Yeah, the kid's red at it. Now let them get a block ahead of us. Okay. Keep an eye peeled for cops, Mike. Yeah, come on. Pile out, though. Let's go. Huh. Not so fast. I said to keep a block behind them. All right, all right. You don't think it's so jittery? Who's jittery? You are. Wait a minute. 
It turned into Second Street. That block is plenty dark. Easy, easy. There they are, up ahead on the left side of the street. All right now, say when. Not yet, not yet. Spike, there's a police car coming up. All right, duck in this doorway, come on. They're at us. Shut up. Boy, boy, I sure thought them bulls met a pinch, Mike. Now who's jittery? Hey, where's that kid and this old lady? Come on, let's get going. I see him in the middle of the block. Come on, now. Hey, you, come here. They let go of me. That's what I hey. teach your old lady something about squealing. You leave the boy alone. Oh. Uh, screaming ain't going to help you, sister. Come here, you brat. I'll fix you. Not before I fix you. Oh, what hit me? I hit you, and there's more where that came from. Oh, oh, oh. oh well, he thought I was fooling, did he? Well, I'll show you I'm not. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, beat it. There's a big guy. He's crazy. Beat it. Go ahead, run for your lives. Too bad I can't follow you through the streets, but I know where to find you and your boss in case I want you. Now, I'd better see what happened to the Olsons, as Clark Kent. Jimmy. Jimmy, you all right? Mr. Kent. Where'd you come from? When I walked out of your store, I saw that car stop, and it looked suspicious, so I followed it. But Jimmy, your mother's fainted. She got scared when the man went to hit me. Where do you live, Jimmy? The next house. I'll carry your mother up. There we are. All right, lead the way. Gee, Mr. Kent, it was lucky you came along. Yeah. That guy was all set to hit me. Did you recognize him? Who was the, he? He was Denali's collector. Oh. I couldn't see his face. Oh, but I knew his voice, though. This door here. Okay. I'll turn on the light. Oh, that's fine. There we are. Now she'll be comfortable on this couch. Get some cold water and a towel, Jimmy. Okay, won't take a second, Mr. Kent. Lucky kid. Not a whimper out of him. Any other kid would have been frightened stiff. Here you are, Mr. Kent. Oh, good. Is my mother all right? Well, she will be in oh. a moment. Wow. Oh. She's coming around. Jimmy. Jimmy, where are you? Right here, Mom. I'm okay. Mr. Kent saved us. Mr. Kent, uh... Oh, I didn't see you. I'm terribly sorry this had to happen, Mrs. Olson. I never dreamed Danelli would try to pull anything after the... after the talk I had with him. Oh, Mr. Kent, it was horrible. That man grabbing Jimmy. Now, now, don't you think about it. Just get some rest. I've got to get back to the office and see Mr. White. We'll splash this story across the front page. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll have Lois Lane come over and spend a few hours with you. She'll be company for you, Mrs. Olson. Oh, it isn't necessary, Mr. Kent. I'll be all right. Oh, Lois won't mind. Where's my hat, Jimmy? Right here, Mr. Kent. Good night, Mrs. Olson. Uh, you can show me to the door, Jimmy. Good night, and thank no, you. No, not at all. Now, Jimmy, don't let your mother get up for a while, eh? Mr. Kent, did you really chase those gangsters away? I... I suppose so, Jimmy. Why, what makes you ask? I thought I saw a man in a red cape. Flying, sort of. <laughs> You're tired, Jimmy. You better get some rest, too. I'll see you in the morning. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Oh. Thought he saw a man in a red cape flying, eh? I've got to be careful. Too many people are seeing me as Superman. But there's one person who's going to see me and not like it so much. Jip Dinelli. Tomorrow I'll clean his place out and make certain he leaves town. For good. Or my name isn't Superman. But even as Clark Kent utters the threat, the long black sedan pulls up in front of Jip Nelly's headquarters on the far side of town and Spike gets out hurriedly. 
A moment later, he entered Dinelli's private office. Well? Boss, I hate to tell you, but we had trouble. What do you mean? Well, everything worked like a top. We trailed the kid and his old lady to a dark side street. Go on. Well, Tony pulled over at the curb and hopped out to grab me, you see. I, I had a grip on the kid when a guy came out of nowhere and clipped me. Who was it? I don't know. It was a big guy with an awful wallop. Before I could make a move, he let me have it. What happened? Well, I ran for the car and we got away just in time. Did he follow you? No, we cut over at the river and doubled back. Nobody followed. Was the guy who clipped you that reporter, Clark Kent? Him? I don't know, Jip. This guy was big. Awful big. Sounds like Kent's behind this. You say he worked for the Daily Planet? Yeah, that's what he said. And the Olsen kid works for the Planet, too. So what? I got an idea. Maybe a good one. Hand me that telephone book. Okay. What's up, Chip? You'll see. Uh, here it is. And Mrs. Henry Olsen. Store. Residence. Logan, 6251. Operator, get me Logan, 6251. And what you calling her for, Chip? Uh, you'll see. Hello? Hello, Jimmy. This is Clark Kent. Mr. Kent? Your voice sounds funny. Uh, must be something wrong with the phone connection. Listen, Jimmy, I haven't got much time. I've got to see you right away. But you just left my house a little while ago, Mr. Kent. Yeah, I know. Something came up. I need your help. It, it, it's about Donnelly. Can you meet me at the corner of Spruce and 2nd Street in 10 minutes? Gee, Mr. Kent, I don't want to leave Mom. She's asleep now. Miss Lane just got here. Who? Lois Lane. Oh, sure. Uh, bring her along. It's newspaper business. All right, Mr. Kent. I'll be there with Miss Lane. Good. See you in ten minutes. If that's not luck, I don't know what it is. What do you mean? The kid told me a dame named Lois Lane is at his house. I know who she is. A reporter for that same paper, the Daily Planet. So what? How can you be so dumb? What do you mean, so what? Well, supposing she is a reporter for the paper. We don't want that paper to print nothing about us, do we? No. Well, they won't. Not now. We'll meet the kid and that lame girl, and we'll take them for a ride. A nice little ride in the country. Get the car ready. Will Lois Lane walk into the trap Dinelli has set for her and Jimmy? Or is she smart enough to realize it was not Clark Kent who called? What will happen? Tune in next time and follow the thrilling adventures of Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's the bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loop on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! To the Loot Crate box. What's with kids today, huh? 
Rouses! With crits starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. And now, this episode, Dinelli's Protection Racket, Part 3. At the moment, Superman is fighting a petty racket. Gip Dinelli has been extorting money from the small shopkeepers along Spruce Street, one of whom is Mrs. Olson the mother of Jimmy Olsen, a copy boy at the Daily Planet. Clark Kent, as Superman, forced Dinelli to return the money he had taken from Mrs. Olsen. Seeking revenge, Dinelli ordered his henchman Spike to waylay Jimmy and his mother on the street. But Superman again intervened. Angered, Dinelli telephoned, and posing as Clark Kent, arranged for Jimmy and Lois Lane, who was at the Olsen home, to meet him on a street corner. As our story opens, it is the same night. Kent... Unaware of Dinelli's latest move, is talking to Perry White, city editor of the Daily Planet in White's office. Mrs. Olsen was so upset after Dinelli's men attacked her and Jimmy that I asked Lois Lane to spend a few hours there. Can you imagine men attacking a woman and a boy, Mr. White? Dinelli and his kind aren't men, Kent. They're rats. I know. And there's only one way to handle rats. Drive them out in the open and shoot them down. Fortunately, we... we can't do that. With bullets? No. But with words? Yes. Now, you get all the facts, Kent. All right. Write this story as you've never written one before. I'll give it all the front page space it'll take. I know you'd feel that way about it, Mr. White. And why shouldn't I? The trouble with this country is that we're too lenient with Dinelli and people like him. They belong in a country where they have a dictator and concentration camps. Uh, it makes my blood boil when I think of the millions of decent men and women who would give anything to live here in America, but instead... They have to suffer while Dinelli robs poor shopkeepers. Hey, I'll put that in the story, Mr. White. Well, you make every word sizzle, Kent. Yes, sir. Stop at nothing. But be sure of your facts. Well, Jimmy knows everything that's happened. I'll get them from him. Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. Well, who's that? It's like Jimmy. Mr. Kent. Well, Jimmy, what's the matter? Miss Lane, I, I ran all the way. Well, well, what, what happened? A man called up, said he was you, Mr. Kent. What? It didn't sound like you, but I believed him. What did he say? He said to meet him at the corner of Spruce and 2nd Street and to bring Miss Lane. Yes, and did you? Yes. Miss Lane didn't want to do it, but I talked her into it. When we got down to the corner, two men jumped down on us. Go on, Jimmy, go on. I got loose. And Miss Lane yelled at me to run, but I didn't know what I was doing. And what happened to Lois? They, they pushed her in the car and drove away, and I looked around for a cop, but there wasn't any. So I came here. Dinelli, it couldn't be anyone else. He's got Lois. Kent, where are you going? Got to look into something, Mr. White. You keep Jimmy here and send someone over to stay with Mrs. Olsen. I'll be back soon. Oh, I'm responsible for all this. I've got to do something about it fast. If Lois is at Dinelli's place, I shouldn't have much trouble. Uh, no time to take the elevator down. The window will do. Up with it. And out. Like an arrow shot from a bow, Superman streaks across the darkened city in the direction of Dinelli's headquarters. His only thought to rescue Lois Lane from the racketeer's clutches. His only hope that he reach there before any harm comes to her. Faster. Faster until he swoops down like a great bird and lands in the concrete driveway alongside a three-story house. 
There. Don't think anyone saw me. Those clouds were conveniently low. Now, let's see. Nellie's office was on the third floor. Well, I'll climb up and sneak through a window. Quietly. So easy clinging to the sill. Now, up with the window, gently. There, and into the room. Hmm. Looks dark and deserted. I hope I'm not too late. Wait. I hear something. A man talking in the next room. Okay, boss. I'll be there in an hour. Yeah, sure. I'll bring the dough with me. Goodbye. You'll be where in an hour? Hey, where'd you come from? Never mind that. Where are you going? To Denali? Get away. Get away. Or you won't do anything. <laughs> now talk or I'll break your part. Hey, let me go. Let me go. Talk. I ain't doing nothing. Where's Denali? You were just talking to him on the phone. Where is he? I don't know. I, I swear I don't know. Now, I'll refresh stop, stop. your memory. Let's see whether you bounce like your boss did up against the wall. No more. No more. Oh. Will you talk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk. All right. Get up on your feet. Stop. Don't do that. Come back here. Oh. A fool. Dove out the window to the concrete driveway three stories below. Oh, this is the last racket he'll ever be mixed up in. Crowds gathering. I'd better go. Can't afford to be seen here. Out the back and away! Suddenly, Mr. White. Well, where on earth have you been? Well, I had an idea, but it didn't work. Uh, close the door and sit down. Now, uh, this is the time for action, Kent. Fast action. Yes, but what can we do? Why can we turn, Mr. White? Lois isn't at Danelli's hangout. Well, how do you know? Well, I... I don't know, really. I, I just have a hunch. Well, Kent, we can't work on hunches. This is much too serious. We'll have to notify the police. No, I... I wouldn't do that if I were you, Mr. White. Why not? Well, I'm just afraid of what might happen to Lois. Jimmy here can tell how Danelli threatened his mother. They said if she called the cops, they'd, they'd beat her up. Well, maybe you're right. Well, one thing we can do is to make use of the Daily Planet. Now, I've got a story all set for the first edition tomorrow. Had a rewrite man get the facts from Jimmy here and knock it out. Oh, good. Yeah, listen to this man ahead. Planet reporter missing. Racketeer believed responsible for... City desk. White speaking. Clark Kent there. Who? Clark Kent. Now, hold on. It's for you, Kent. Thanks, Mr. West. Hello. Is this Clark Kent of the Daily Planet? Yes, I'm Clark Kent. Mr. Kent? Yes? If one word about my business is printed in your paper, Miss Lois Lane may run into trouble. Who is this talking? Danelli is the name, Kent. Mr. White, have this call traced. It's Danelli. I'll keep him on. We, uh, we hadn't intended printing anything about you, Danelli. If you'll send Miss Lane back, why, I'm, I'm sure... I'm good and ready, Kent, and not before. You've been coughing me up too much. This time, I'm taking no chances. I'll wait and see what your paper says before I make a move. So long, sucker. Was that really Danelli, Mr. Kent? I got it, Kent. I've got it. Good. On the other phone. Yes? He was calling from a drugstore booth in Little Falls. Little Falls. That's a town about 50 miles from here. I'll leave at once, Mr. White. Now, hold on. I'm going with you. What? Yes, we can take my car. This time, I'm going to be in on the kill. But Mr. White, I... Well, I want to crack at Danelli, personally. But Mr. White, I, I can get there much faster alone. What? Well, what do you mean? Well, I... That is... Nothing doing, nothing doing. I'm coming along. Can I go, Mr. White? You? Of course not. Oh, please, Mr. White, I won't be in the way. Jimmy wants to learn how to be a... Re- 
Porter, and, well, after all, it is his story. Are you mad, Kent? Taking a kid up to a place... I'm not a kid, Mr. White. I'm 14. Oh, well, all right. But you're responsible for him, Kent. I'll watch him. Gee, thanks a million, Mr. Kent. All right, now, before we leave, I want to okay this story. Now, Mr. White, you can't print that story. What? I didn't tell you, but Danelli said if we printed one word about him, Lois would suffer. Uh, uh, Kent, you're right. You're right. He's got us blocked. Huh? But not for long. Come on. I'm itching to get my hands around Dinelli's throat. And when I do, it'll be tough too fast. But even as Clark Kent, Editor White, and Jimmy Olsen speed northward through the night, two men converse in the front room of a cabin located on the edge of a dense pine forest, two miles above the town of Little Falls. One of them is Dip Dinelli. The other, his henchman, Spike. Listen. Yeah, it's pretty near midnight. Let's keep in Tony. Said he'd be here in an hour. Well, maybe he had a flat chip. You can't tell. Oh, what did that reporter Kent have to say when you call him up? Hey, what could he say? Don't you worry. That paper won't print nothing about me. Not while we got the lane girl. Well, what you gonna do with her, Chip? That all depends. Say, I ain't heard her yawling lately. She all right? Yeah, tied up in the back room. Yeah, I guess she got tired. Where's that briefcase with the records of collections we made from the storekeepers? I tossed it in the back room. Uh, you think it's safe with her in there? Sure. She'd have to be a Houdini to get loose. I wish Tony would get here with that dough. I was a fool leaving the house. With some dough, I can start paying off a few guys and quiet this thing up. He'll be here, Chip, unless he's dead. What do you mean? Well, gee, for gosh, I was only kidding, Chip. Can't you take a joke? There's no time for joking. See what the girl's doing. Uh, she's all right. Chip! Chip, she's gone. Out the window. What? The briefcase is gone, too. Briefcase gone? Yeah, she took it with her. Wait, here's a flashlight. Look, you can see her tracks on the bud. She went into woods. All right, her, quick. Look out, you fool. The kerosene stole. Oh, I didn't see it, oh, Of course you didn't, you clumsy ape. I'll look at it. Kerosene burning all over the floor. <laughs> I can't put it out. The woods can't hit. Get back. Come on outside. It'll go up like a torch in a minute. Gee, sure is burning. What about the girl in the woods, Chip? Ah, forget about her. We got to think about ourselves. We'll go back to town and pick up that dough. I can't wait any longer for Tony. It's risky hanging around here. Some of them farmers will come running when they see this fire. Well, how about them papers, Chip? The ones in the briefcase. The wind's blowing the fire over to the woods. I don't think there'll be very much left of them papers. Fire. Consuming the cabin and creeping slowly toward the edge of the dry pine woods. Fanned into tongues of flame by the high wind. What of Lois? Alone in the darkness of the forest. Don't fail to tune in next time and follow the thrilling story of Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. And now, this episode... Danelli's Protection Racket, Part 4. When we last saw him, 
Superman was on the trail of the Giftinelli gang, petty racketeers, who had escaped from town after capturing Lois Lane, feature writer for the Daily Planet. While Superman, in his character of Clark Kent, sped northward toward the gang's hideout with Editor White and young Jimmy Olsen, a Daily Planet copy boy. Lois made good her escape from Donnelly's cabin in the deep woods, taking with her the evidence of Donnelly's guilt, but only to run into an even greater danger. In leaving the cabin to follow her, Donnelly and his henchman Spike accidentally knocked over a kerosene stove, and at once the flimsy wooden shack was a mass of fire. Donnelly and Spike raced for their car, leaving Lois to her fate, while tongues of flame licked hungrily toward the dry wood. As our story continues today... The racketeers are several miles from the burning cabin, headed back to the city, speeding over the rough road in their powerful black sedan. Listen. Listen, Spike. You sure that lame girl took the briefcase with her? Well, you look for it yourself, didn't you? Yeah, it wasn't anywhere in that room. What difference does it make? If it's gone, it's gone, ain't it? Yeah, if it's gone. If it ain't, it can make a lot of difference. How? What's the matter? You that dumb? There's papers in that briefcase. And then papers tell all about our collections back in town. Who we tapped and for how much. What if somebody finds it, Chip? I'm counting on the fire to fix those papers for good. Yeah, but what if somebody gets in there to put out the fire? Don't worry. They got a fine chance of doing that. Why not? For two reasons, Spike. Number one, in another 20 minutes, the woods will be like a furnace. Number two, the road's blocked. Oh, that's what you was doing while I got out the car. If anybody takes the road back to that cabin spike, they'll find a big tree down, right in their way. Yeah? And if they try to move the tree, well, it'll be the last thing they ever do move. I can tell you that. Honest? How come? Never mind how come. Just believe what I'm telling you. Quite a while ago, I figured on something like this happening. I'd say that you figure all the angles, Chip. I'll say I do. What's up now? Ah, uh, it's a blowout. It's this washboard road. Pull up, Chip. Yeah, right front shoe. We got a spare? Sure, we got a spare. Wait till I get the trunk open. Sure, this ain't no time to get held up. How long will it take? Oh, 15 minutes, maybe more. Step on it, will you? Hey, wait. What's the matter? It's a car coming up the road. What if they stop? Uh, they won't stop. Hey, Denelli, they're slowing down. They're stopping. Keep quiet. I'll handle this. Hey there, you fellow. You know this road? Spike, roll a bit taller and keep your head down. Yeah. What do you want to know? Uh, how far is it? The little fall. Uh, five miles. You can't miss it. Okay. What's the buy? All right. What's that luck? What do you mean, luck? See the guy in the front seat next to the driver? No, what of it? I ain't sure, but I think it was that newspaper guy. What's his name? Uh, Clark Kent? Yeah. He didn't open his trap, but I bet it was him all right. And didn't I see a kid in the back seat? Yeah. Yeah, there was a kid in there. I don't know who the old guy driving was, but if I'm right and the other fellow was Kent, well, it's a cinch the kid was young Olsen. Gee, well, what are they doing up here? After the lane girl, of course. And she's out somewhere in those woods with a fire getting closer every minute. Well, come on, come on. Don't stand there, Gabin. Get a move on. What are we going to do? Fix this flat. That's the first thing. Then I'm going to turn right around and head back to Little Falls. What? After them? You said it. It's too good a chance. We might get to knock them all off at once. 
And who'd be left to tell about the racket then? Come on, get hot with them too. Jimmy, was it five miles that fellow said, Mr. White? That's right, Kent. We've covered about four of them already. What's troubling me now is how we're going to locate Denali's hideout when we get there. All we know so far is that it's somewhere in Little Falls or near it. Look, Mr. White, isn't that a gas station up ahead? Yeah, we'll pull in. That's as good a place as any to ask questions. All right, we're almost out of gas anyway. There's a man inside. He's coming out now. Evening, gentlemen. Fill her up. Well, you might as well. We don't know just how far we're going. Say, uh, Little Falls anywhere around here? Yes, sir, sure it is. Just about a mile down the road. Keep right at the forks. Forks, mister? Yep. Left hand goes into the woods. Go in there and you stand a mighty good chance of getting stuck. Stuck? Why? Probably muddy. Oh, no, it ain't mud. It's just a mighty narrow, mean road that's blocked. Big tree down across it. How do you know? Well, a couple of city fellas went by heading for the city a while ago, and they That's told funny. me. I wonder how they knew. Well, they got a cabin in there. Uh, look here. Uh, these two men, they didn't by any chance come up from the city about four or five hours ago, did they? Why, gee, mister, you must be a mind reader. What? And uh, you're dead right. They did go through just about four or five hours ago. Only there were three of them then. I know, because they stopped for cigarettes. Three of them. Kent, do you hear that? Listen. Was the third person in their car a girl? Oh, now, quit your kidding. They're friends of yours. You knew them all the time. Was the third person a girl? Was it? Uh, she was. And they drove back just now without her? Yep. Guess they parked her in the cabin. Maybe they're coming back. Hey, hey, where are you going? Where's your phone? Quick. I ain't got no phone. Come back here, Ken. Look here. That was Danelli on the road. That man you stopped to ask directions of. And he's left Lois up in that cabin. We've got to get her out and warn the police. Hey, listen, I don't know what you're talking Never about. Never mind, you'll find out later. Hey, listen, whatever it is, you can't get in that cabin. I tell you the road's blocked. That's right, Mr. White, we forgot. Confound it. Mr. White, look here. We've got to separate. What do you mean, Ken? You take the car, get to the nearest phone. Uh, where is it, mister? Well, now, let's see. Uh, down to Robbins, uh, third house on the left. All right, you phone the police, Mr. White. Tell them to watch all roads back to the city. Well, Kent, what are you going to do? I'm going up the road into the woods. Even if a car can't get through, maybe a man can. I'll go with you, Mr. Kent. No, you stay here, Jimmy. I'll take him with me. No, he'd better stay right here, Mr. White. What's the idea? Jimmy, you watch the road. Keep your eye out for Danelli's car, just in case he takes it into his head to come back again. Mr. Kent, what'll I do if he does come? Well, let's see. Hey, you. Uh, have you got a gun? Uh, sure, I got a gun. Only I ain't going to let Never you... Never mind that. Those two men who own that cabin are crooks and racketeers. What's that? You heard me. Now, if that car comes back again while I'm up the road toward the camp, fire your gun three times. Get it? I get it, Mr. Kent. So long, Mr. White. Oh, Kent, when I've made that phone call, I'll come right back. So will I, Mr. White. Meanwhile, I'll see if that tree can be cleared off the road. I'll hurry all I can. <sighs> now then, I'll run a few steps to get out of sight. Oh, poor Lois. If they're holding her in that cabin, but not for long... Well, we know where she is. Ah, this ought to do it. They can't see me from the gas station. If I know anything at all, Danelli's blocked the road on purpose. But he can't block Superman. Up! Up! Leaping into the air, Superman streaks over the darkness of the pine woods, following the dim ribbon of the dirt road below. An odor of smoke is in the night wind, but he pays no heed to that. On through the darkness, then sharply down toward the impassable barrier of a huge fallen tree, blocking off all entrance to the cabin. 
there. What's that? Looks like a tree. It is. Down right across the road. Well, shouldn't take us too long to get rid of that. Down. Down. There. Now then. A little hard to get at. To work in closer toward the trunk. Uh-huh. Full-grown pine. Seventy feet long if it's an inch. And three feet thick. Must weigh eight or nine tons. Well, I wonder how far I can throw this tree like hurling a javelin. What's this? It's a wire. This thing's wired down. That's funny. Oh. Oh. Well, score one for Danelli. Wired that tree to a blasting charge. Blew up right in my face. Anybody else would have been shattered to bits. Good thing dynamite can't hurt me. But maybe it wasn't so good for Danelli. That blast blew the tree right off the road. If I can't get to the cabin now, I... Three shots. That means trouble back at the gas station. Something's happened. Here comes a car. Can't be Danelli. They never make a row like that. Must be the police. Well, whoever it is, all they'll find when they get here is Clark Kent. To think of it, I'd better go to meet them. Just in case Danelli's planted any more surprises. Hey, hold it! What's the matter? Kent, great Scott man. That explosion. Mr. White, how did you hear it? How did you get here? Well, I was on the way back after making the phone call. What happened? Danelli's gang left a charge of blasting powder under the fallen tree. It just went off. And are you all right? Is Jimmy all right? Jimmy? Jimmy's back at the gas station. No, no, he's not. The man said he went after you. But he didn't. I told him to stay there. I know, I know what you told him. But the man said he followed you anyway. If he was in that blast... Mr. White, it's not possible. I would have seen him. He must be in the woods. Jimmy! Jimmy Olsen! Jimmy! Jimmy! Jimmy Jimmy Olsen! Jimmy, where are you? Frantic shouts and calls go off into the darkness of the forest. And only mocking echoes come faintly back. Jimmy has vanished in the woods. Meanwhile, stronger and stronger on the night wind, the odor of burning brush comes drifting from the direction of the cabin. Jimmy is gone. Lois is gone. And somewhere behind, creeping up through the night, Danelli and Spike are returning to see what Kent and White have found. The thrilling climax is not far off. Tune in next time and follow the exciting, thrill-packed story of Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. And now, this episode... Danelli's Protection Racket, Part 5. When we last saw him, Kent was standing in the darkness of a pine forest above the town of Little Falls, with Editor White of the planet calling vainly for young Jimmy Olsen, suddenly lost in the night. Also missing was Lois Lane, feature writer, who had been carried off by Jip Danelli's gang of racketeers and brought north to the woods. Lois had made her escape as an overturned stove set fire to the gangster's cabin and started a roaring blaze in the surrounding woods. But so far, she has not been found. As our story continues today, Clark Kent and Editor White are standing where we left them, on the road to Danelli's cabin, listening to someone crashing toward them through the woods. Kent, it's the fellow from the gas station. Hey there! Quick, will you? 
Have you found the boy? No. No, not yet. You fellas got any line on him up this way? Not a thing. Why didn't you keep him with you at the station? Heck, he ain't my boy, mister. He said he was going, and that was that. Uh, what was he trying to do? Well, near as I could make out, he wanted to find that gal you said was in the cabin. How in heaven's name did he think he could do that? Well, he said he'd been a boy scout or something, knew his way in the woods, and I sure hope he's right. Why, well, what do you mean? Listen, mister, can't you smell? Smell? Mr. White, it's smoke. Smoke is right. If you ask me, there's a brush fire smoldering in the woods. Brush fire? Kent, what are we going to do? Mr. White, Jimmy, and Lois. We've got to find them and get them out of there. Kent, I know it, but how? Yeah, and the longer we wait, the harder it's going to get. Kid's gone so far, he can't hear us. You take my advice and get out while you can. When this pine starts to go... What do you want us to do, leave the boy in the woods? Oh, we've got to find them, both of them. Jimmy! Lord! Oh, that ain't going to do you no good, I'm telling you. That fire breaks loose, it'll be bad. The wind's coming up, too. Stand there talking, man. We've got to find them. Come on, Jimmy! Jimmy! Lord! Lord, please! Jimmy! Jimmy! Recklessly making their way toward the heart of the burning woods, the hollow cries of the rescue party die off in the distance, and almost at once two dark forms appear in the shadowy roadway. Jip Dinelli and his follower Spike, hiding in the darkness, have overheard every word. Dinelli emerges from the trees and calls softly. Spike! Spike, you there? Yeah, right here, boss. They've been here all the time. Listen, you know where the kid is? Not me. I guess he just did what they said. Is that a break for us? What What do you mean? Listen, I don't know why that fire holds back so long, but it's due to bust any minute now. Yeah, so what are we sticking around for? Just to make sure, that's all. Sure of what? Something called a backfire. It burns out in front of the first fire. When I get that far, they both go out, see? But there ain't anything more to burn. So what? So that's what we're going to do right now. We're good citizens, ain't we? Hey, you ought to know. And good citizens help stop fires. Come on, Spike. Give me a hand here. The wind's just right, too. Right for what? For what we're going to do. We're going to start a backfire, Spike, right here. Those will carry spade into the woods. Is it our fault if somebody happens to get caught in between? Break up some of that brush. Fast. All unknowing of the peril behind them, Kent and the rescue party head toward the center of the wood, with smoke growing thicker at every step and occasional spark drifting by in the night wind. While farther off, just beyond earshot, young Jimmy Olson stumbles between tall pines, calling desperately for Lois. Suddenly, slightly ahead, he hears an answering cry. Miss Lane! Miss Lane, where are you? Here! Here! Who's that calling? Miss Lane, it's me. It's Jimmy Olson. Where are you? Here, Jimmy! Miss Lane. Gosh, is that you? Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, I can't believe. Gee, we've been looking all over for you, Miss Lane. Where in the world did you come from? We came up in a car, me and Mr. Kent and Mr. White. You haven't seen them any place, have you? Jimmy, I haven't seen anybody since I got away. That man, Danelli, had me tied up in the shack and I got out. What's the briefcase you got there, Miss Lane? Oh, I don't know. It has papers and things, proof of what they've been doing. If we ever get out of here, Jimmy, this briefcase ought to send them all to jail. <coughs> If we ever get out of here, I twisted my ankle and, and the fire's coming. What's coming? The woods. The woods are on fire, Jimmy. It started right after I got away from the cabin and it spread to the woods. Oh, gee, let's get going. Come on. Jimmy, I can't. I can hardly walk. But you go. You get out while you can. Go on. What? And leave you here? Not a chance, Miss Lane. Here, you grab my shoulder. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, I can't do Miss it. Miss Lane, you got to do it. You don't want to stay here and get burned up, do you? 
Come on. Look, over there, just beyond that little ridge. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, it's the fire. It's coming right this way and fast, too. Listen, get up on your feet. Come on. We gotta make a run for it. Jimmy, go on. Don't wait for me. No, come on. Grab hold of me. Now, this way. Back where I came from. Come on, Miss Lane. Oh, Jimmy, my ankle. Thicker and thicker grows the smoke. More and more fiery sparks. A sheet of flame lights up the woods. When suddenly the blue-clad figure of Superman soars high in the blazing forest. If anybody's going to get out of this place alive, including Jimmy and Lois Lane, Superman has to take a hand. Up! Up! I've got to get down there where the fire's hottest and beat it out. After that, maybe I can find Lois and Jimmy. It's got to be fast. Those flames are gaining every minute. Closing in. Ah, there. That looks like a good place. If I can break through there. Down. Down. Uh, now then. Right in the middle of the flames. It's a good thing I don't mind heat. If I can just snatch up a pine tree and use it like a broom. Let's see now. There. That looks like a good one. Sort of do it. Nothing like sweeping up a forest fire with a 50-foot tree. I can just open up a way out through here. Clear a fire lane. Not much time. Here we go. Another We're almost out now. We must be almost out. Jimmy, we're hemmed in. Look, it's, it's, it's creeping up on us. This lane is smoke. I can't see. Neither can I. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy Olsen. Miss Lane. Listen, somebody's calling. Jimmy, Miss Lane, both of you, this way, quick. Who is it? I can't see. I can't either. I can't see a thing. But it sounds like Mr. Kent. It is. Come on, both of you, quick. Mr. Kent, I can't see. The smoke. Here, catch hold of my hand. You too, Miss Lane. Now, we'll make a run for it. Quick, quick. Hey, Mr. Kent, what's going on? I'm not touching the ground at all. Mr. Kent, Come on, come on. I'm carrying you both. Don't stop to ask questions. Now, here comes the hot spot. Hold your breath. We're almost out. Here we go. Oh, we're off. Uh, here's the road. Oh, where's Kent? Kent? Uh, he must Kent. be along. He was right behind us. Oh, say, if we hadn't found that place where the fire was beat out. We're lucky. Luckiest thing I ever saw. But where's Kent? Hey, hey, here he comes now. Through the smoke. Hey, mister. Oh, look. Look. He's got two people with him. Say, it's the kid and the girl. He's got them both. Kent. Kent. Oh, glad to see you got out, Mr. White. Look what I found. Oh, Mr. White. Oh, thank Mr. White, is, is that you? Yeah, I can't see anything. The smoke is still in my eyes. You'll be all right. Oh, Kent, I can't believe it. You mean to tell me you found them and brought them out? Gee, sure did. Both of us. It was like a dream. I thought I was flying. Uh, I don't wonder. We made time, all right. But look here. Where's the car? We're not out of the woods yet. I'll say we're not. Well, the car's this way. Right down the road. Come on. All right. Here, let me give you a hand, Miss Lane. Or, Jimmy, and I'll make a chair. You eh? bet, Mr. Kent. That's the boy. Here we go. Now, there. Okay, Chip. What are you going to do now? I'd still like to know how they got out of that fire. Well, don't ask me how, but they got out. 
Well, it ain't going to help much. Take it from me. What do you mean? I got one big surprise. Let's fight. Look behind you. See anything in the back seat? No, it's so dark. Oh, wait. Yeah, it looks like a box. Not not very big. Oh, no, it's not very big. But, oh, boy, when that little box does its stuff. That guy Kent and all the rest of them will wish they passed out from the fire. What are you going to do? You'll see. First thing, we got to get out of the main road a couple of miles ahead of them. Give her the gun. Fast. What new threat is Dinelli making against the safety of the little group from the Daily Planet? Are they out of the burning woods only to face new and undreamed of dangers? And what strange and incredible climax waits for Clark Kent and his friends on the road from Little Falls? Tune in and don't miss the exciting climax of the next installment of Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Excelsior!